0: Alright folks, this one's going to be about moon worship. So, if there's this whole religion based off of the sun, sun worship, then automatically, I think, the secret, the secret schools and the secret arts is definitely then based on moon worship. So, I'm going to talk about moon worship today. Britannica, Moon Worship, Religion Moon Worship, adoration or veneration of the moon, a deity in the moon, or a personification or symbol of the moon. The sacredness of the moon has been connected with the basic rhythms of life and the universe, a widespread phenomenon appearing in various eras and cultures. Moon Worship has engendered a rich symbolism and mythology. The moon is viewed in terms of the rhythmic life of the cosmos and is believed to govern all vital change. The cyclical process of disappearance and appearance of the moon is the basis of the widespread association of the moon with the land of the dead, the place to which souls ascend after death, and the power of rebirth. The lunar governance of this cycle likewise leads to association of the moon and fate. The mythology of the moon emphasizes especially those periods when it disappears. The three days of darkness in the lunar cycle and eclipses. Oh my god. So in the journey of the sun... um so December 21st is when it dips below the horizon of the equinox and is said to die for 3 days and once it pops back up on the 25th is the birthday of the sun of Jesus of you know of God Jesus the sun dips back above the horizon again and makes his journey back across the sun so the sun has resurrected. So n- just like that, the moon, in its thirty-day cycle, it has its three days of darkness in the lunar cycle and eclipses. So that's very interesting. It's like, huh? It's like the a clock. So the big hand is the sun, and then. The moon is the smaller middle hand, and humans are the second hand, the ticking, the heartbeat. It's like expansion outwards. All right. Both are usually interpreted as the result of battles between some monster who devours or slays the moon. And who subsequently regurgitates or revives it. The interrogum, the interregnum is interpreted as an evil period necessitating strict taboos against beginning any new or creative peri- new or creative period, example, planting or sexual intercourse. In some areas, loud noises are part of a ritual activity designed to scare off the moon's assailant. Lunar deities, gods and goddesses who personify the moon and its cycles are comparatively rare. In primitive hunting cultures, the moon is frequently regarded as male and particularly in regard to women is understood as a preeminently evil or dangerous figure. In agricultural traditions, the moon is usually regarded as female. And is the benevolent ruler of the, excuse me guys, of the cyclical vegetative process. Alright, now let's go over to Greece and Greek and Roman mythology. This is Selene, Selene for in Greek, moon, Latin, luna in Greek and Roman religion, the personification of the moon as a goddess. She was worshipped at the new and full moons, according to Hesiod's Theogony. Her parents were the titans Hyperion and Theia. Her brother was Helios, the sun god, of course, sometimes called her father. Her sister was Eos, Dawn, In the Homeric Hymn to Selene, she bears the beautiful Pandaic to Zeus, while Alckmin says they are the parents of Hirst, the the dew. She is often linked with Endymion, whom she loved and whom Zeus cast into eternal sleep in a cave on Mount Latmus. There, Selene visited him and became the mother of, of 50 daughters. I think these are volcanoes, but... In another story, she was loved by Pan. By the 5th century BC, Selene was sometimes identified with Artemis or Phoebe the Bright One. She was usually represented as a woman with the moon often in crescent form or on her head and driving a two-horse chariot. Shiva has a moon on crescent on his head as luna she had temples at rome on the aventine and palatine hills all right now check out this god called men it's an anatolian god this fucker's name is men (laughs) men men moon god worshipped widely in asia minor during roman times and also in attica from the third century bc little is known of his origin but he may have been connected with the persian moon god mao spelled (laughs) mao his name was this is britannica his name was usually written together with a cult title often an adjective denoting a locality and his most frequent ad- attributes were the pine cone, bur the bucranium, the ox skull, and chicken. He was represented as a male figure with a crescent moon behind his shoulders. A temple of Men has been excavated at Antioch in Pisidia, modern Yalvac, Turkey. All right now. I'm going to read from this. Um, I'll put the links in the description. From jstore.org Traces of the Worship of the Moon God Sin Among Early Israelites by Andrew F. Key, Southern Mes- Methodist University, published 1965. All right. The argument presented in this article belongs to the late Dr. Julius Louis, professor of Semitic languages and biblical history at Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion. He was most interested in the complex problem of the influence of other Semitic peoples upon the early history and religion of the various Israelite tribes before their, their settlement in Canaan. It is not the intention of this short paper to examine the whole range of this problem. This will be left to the older and wiser minds than my own. Instead, one small aspect of the problem which was of particular interest to Dr. Louis will be examined. That material attesting to the worship of the moon god Sin, spelled S-I-N among the Israelites. It was Doctor Lewis' intention to publish this material himself. In fact he has made many allusions to the argument in his earlier publications. My task is then primarily that of an organizer, blah 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 blah. That as an organizer of Doctor Lewis material, let the reader clearly understand that any mistakes present are my own, any merit in the article belongs to Doctor Lewis. The worship of the moon god Sin goes back at least to the third dynasty of Ur, where the where the god was honored in the form of a golden calf with crescent-shaped horns and a long, flowing beard of lapis lazuli. It's like blue, I think. So this automatically gives me the image of... Anyway, okay, I'll just read. Woolley found several of the images in his excavations of the royal graves at Ur has produced, some striking drawings of the images in his report that these images are in fact of the god Sin can be seen by the following description found in a Sumero Akkadian hymn to that god. Ferocious bull, whose horn is thick, whose legs are perfected, who is bearded in lap. lap in lapsis and filled with luxury and abundance why the moon god was worshiped in this form is naturally an open question one speculation is that the shape of the horns reminded the devotee of the crescent moon that the worship of this god is not limited to ur is obvious another very important cultic center was the city of haran That the religion survived throughout the period can be seen by the theophoric names compounded from this god's name coming as late as the Neo-Assyrian and Neo-Babylonian periods. It will suffice here simply to mention the names Naram-Sin, Warad-Sin, Rim-Sin, Sin-Mubalit, and Sin-Aherba. In the patriarchal narratives, the connection between the ancestors of the Israelites and the worship of the god sin are apparent. J. Bright recognized that there are names in the Hebrew tradition which are associated with that cult, but he deduced from this only that the narratives concerning the migration of Abraham's family from Ur to Haran, both centers of the cult, are essentially accurate bits of historical information. Louis felt it much more natural to assume that the patriarchs were actual worshippers of the deity. Let us examine here in passing only the names Terah and Laban. The name Terah seems to be a theophoric name, meaning Ter is the divine brother or protector. The name Ter is a dialectic variant of this Hebrew word, the well-known South Arabic term Denoting the moon. The popularity of Ter in the district of Haran, where real estate was dedicated to him, is assured not only by the personal name Ter Nadin Apli. Ter is the giver of a son, but also by Tiri, a name borne by one of the last Assyrian governors of Haran. Thus, it would seem that Abraham's father or at least his grandfather, was a worshipper of the moon god. The name Laban is also connected with the worship of the moon god. The root meaning of the name seems to be to be white. Okay, so the root meaning of the name seems... The name Laban is also connected with... Okay... With the worship of the moon god, the root meaning of the name seems to be to be white. Hence the name would mean something like the white one, and should be compared to the related word moon. It is interesting that we have the same theophoric element in other Amorite names, such as laba, Labana Ila, the moon is god. Whether the ancient figure... Laban was originally considered to be a worshipper of the moon god, or the god himself, we shall leave as an open question. Let us turn instead to other evidence of influence upon the Israelites. It has long been been recognized that there are real problems with the present Exodus tradition. As the Pentateuch now stands, it presents a unified picture of the prehistory of Israel. In which all the tribes descend into Egypt under Joseph, all come forth at the time of Moses, and all enter the land of Canaan under Joshua. This ancient tradition was this ancient tradition has of course been under attack at least since the time of well, Wellhausen. It is not our purpose here to review the work done on this complicated problem; We shall instead confine ourselves to the Sinai cycle of stories and their relation to the tradition as a whole. Noth, among others, has pointed out that the encounter on Sinai may be assigned to a comparatively early date and those who took part in it may be regarded as members of a fairly ancient stratum of what later became Israel, whilst the the participants in the events which took place in and around Egypt belong to later generations. In the same vein, Von Rad comments, there are three places which stand out from the impenetrable darkness which surrounds the prehistory of Israel. Mount Sinai, which is a volcano, the oasis of Kadesh, and the Red Sea of lava. (laughs) All right. It must remain an open question which of the tribes had so far reaching an experience at these places. We can hardly assume that it was one and the same group which came to these places in in turn. It is much more likely that traditions belonging to different groups were united with one another at a later date. I agree it usually because c- the way I think reality works is It's always out of many Come one It's never the other way around Anyways Both Von Rad and Noth Agree however That the revelation on Sinai Was a revelation of Yahweh an alternative proposal will be offered here, namely that the revelation on Sinai was a revelation of the moon god Sin and that we must look elsewhere for the origin origin of the Yahweh cult. Huh, so this is interesting. So these guys are saying the revelation on Sinai originally is the moon god Sin, not this Yahweh cult. Okay, so what is the evidence for such a proposal? This is new. I never even... shit. Okay, so who is the sin God? Notice the familiar narrative in Exodus 32. Um, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us up make us gods who shall go before us as for this moses the man who brought us out of the land of egypt we do not know what has become, become of him and aaron said to them take off the rings of gold which are in the in the ears of your wives your sons and your daughters and bring them to me so all the people took off the rings and gold which were in the ears and brought them to aaron and he received the gold at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool, and made a molten calf, and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, you brought, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. What? Okay. There are several problems with this passage, but the central message is at least clear. We have here a tradition of the worship of another god besides Yahweh, connected with the events which happened at Sinai. Could it not be that we have here no other than the moon god Sin worshipped in a form similar to that practiced long before at Ur and Haran, a passage quite similar to the one mentioned in Exodus is found in 1 Kings 12. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of Yahweh at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold, and he said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Keep saying, Behold your God, which is this golden calf that brought you out of Egypt. Note that in this passage, Jeroboam makes the same statement that is made in the Sinai passage. What better way to establish the religious legitimacy of a new monarchy than to appeal to an ancient tradition and to claim that the tradition has precedence over the newer worship of the God Yahweh. The name Sinai itself would suggest that it was the place of revelation of the moon god. Yeah, I agree, because Louis noted that many people had seen that there was an obvious connection between the names Sin and Sinai, but pointed out that, in spite of the excellent remarks of Couch on Particles such as blah blah I don't know what that means. Nobody seems to have noticed that the biblical onomastic material includes several names in which the Aramaic termination appears as the key to understanding of those early forms is furnished by plurals such as those who live along the river. those who live along the boundary and people from the town of... Okay, in short, Louis saw in... Okay, this is a Hebrew alphabet. I don't know how to... An adjective of appurtenance derived from the divine name Sin and the Aramaic Gentilic ending AI. The phrase would mean that the Sinean mountain or the mountain holy to Sin. Wow. This is what I mean. Translation. The location of Sinai has long been disputed. Louis argues for the Halal Badr, Massif of the full moon, located in the volcanic northern Hejaz region in the Arabian desert, approximately 165 kilometers west southwest of Tema. Yeah, just Google Earth it, man. You'll see the top of this mountain is, is black because volcanic that sinai was a volcanic mountain is supported by exodus thirteen twenty one, and the cognate passages no one who has traveled both by day and night in the direction of active volcanoes can fail to realize that if the legends centering around israel stay at the sinai mountain speak of a column of cloud and a column of fire which guided the Israelites by day and night respectively this, this motif betrays acquaintance with a volcano it is significant that a passage in the book of habakkuk 3:3 3, 3 parallels which is certainly identical with tema with with this word and that the latter mountain was according to deuteronomy 33:2 as celebrated a place of worship as the sinian mountain itself Look at that. First, it was... (laughs) The first thing is they worshipped the moon, and secondly, it was on top of a fucking volcano. Oh my goodness. It is also interesting that it is to the above-mentioned regions that Nabonidus comes when he wishes to restore the religion of sin to its proper place. To this evidence should be added the fact that a stellar was founded at Tema mentioning a deity whose name Sin of the accumulation of stones. Hmm stones clearly shows that a heap of stones was a seat of the deity. Even more striking is the representation of the god upon the stele in the form of a young bull, which recalls the above mentioned images of sin found at Ur. If one assumes the validity of this reconstruction, the next logical question is of course Where does Yahweh worship originate? And perhaps even more important, how are the two traditions combined into the present narrative? You guys ready? (laughs) A glance at the material in the early chapters of Exodus will show the continuing appeal of Moses to the Pharaoh to let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God. In Exodus 15, we are told that after crossing the Red Sea, the Hebrews journeyed three days into the wilderness and came to Marah, and that there Yahweh made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. When we compare this passage with Exodus 17 and Numbers 20, we see that Marah is no other than Kadesh Barnea. It is here that the tradition of a law giving by Yahweh begins. It was recognized as early as Wellhausen that the cycle of stories centering around Sinai is not an integral part of the main tradition of Exo- in Exodus. He states, if we eliminate from the historical narrative the long si- Sinai- Sinaitic section, which has but a loose connection with it, The wilderness of Kadesh becomes the locality of the preceding and subsequent events. This also seems to be the impression given by a narrative in Joshua 24. There, where the history is being recounted to the assembled tribes at Shechem, the people are told nothing about any trip to Sinai. The only events recalled before the conquest are the crossing of the Red Sea living in the wilderness a long time in the wars on the other side of the Jordan this account of the history is even more explicit in Judges 11 there the history recounted is as follows when they came upon Egypt Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh but since they were, were refused passage through Edom They remained at Kadesh until they journeyed through the wilderness and went around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and arrived on the east side of the land of Moab. Here again, there is no mention of a detour via Sinai. If there are then two separate traditions to be seen here, one centering around the mountain Sinai and the revelation of the moon god Sin and the other centering around Kadesh and the revelation of Yahweh, with which tribes of the later amalgamation which we call Israel, are these two traditions to be connected? Louis would assume that the Sinai tradition is the heritage of the northern tribes, particularly the tribe of Ephraim. This would account for the statement mentioned above, which is attributed to Jeroboam. If this assumption is correct, Jeroboam would simply be calling his people back to the older form of worship, which existed before his people were brought under the sway of Yahwism. This may have been by force during the time of David. The Kadesh Yahweh tradition would then be connected with the southern tribes particularly the tribe of judah whose name seems to be compounded with the yahweh element the connection of yahweh worship with the tribe of judah has the advantage of throwing light on the complex problem of the invasion of palestine while the tradition undoubtedly comes to accept the idea of a single conquest coming from the east through Gilgal and Jericho, there are nevertheless a few scattered allusions to a southern conquest. The chief tribe mentioned in this conquest is Judah. Could it not be assumed then that the tribe of Judah originally coming from Kadesh eventually filters into the land from the south? If the conquest of Joshua are to be connected with the tribe of Judah, and it must be admitted that he has a theophoric name compounded with a Yahweh element, then we must assume an attempted invasion under Joshua from the east, which comes to naught because of the invasions of Merneptah from the other direction. A retreat to the regions of Kadesh and a later invasion. Okay, blah blah blah. Don't care. So. That is moon worship um let me see lunar cycle the metonic cycle in chronology, a period of nineteen years in which there are two thirty five lunations or synodic months after which the moon's phases recur on the same days of the solar year or year of the seasons. The cycle was discovered by Meton and an Athenian astronomer. Computation from modern data shows that 235 illuminations are 6,939... Okay. Well,